Today we'll talk about leadership. And as we talk about leadership, I want you to leave more equipped to be the leaders God has called you to be. Now as we start, I have to tell you, you are my heroes. Do you get what I say? <laughs> in America, we talk about what God is doing in Africa. We talk about the great things that God is doing in your continent. And to come here and see with our eyes is incredibly special. Okay? It's like you maybe talk about your favorite soccer players, right? And then you go to the stadium and you see your favorite soccer players. That's how I feel today with you. Uh, I feel like I'm getting to see the, the men that I admire so much from the other side of the ocean. Okay? So uh, when I come here today, I do not think I can tell you, Henry, how to run your church better. Okay? That's not what I'm here for. <laughs> You're a pastor. My, my commitment for the past 13 years has been making disciples with college students, and I've studied a whole lot about leadership. I want to encourage you with what I can from those areas to be a better pastor. But when I think about what you're doing in Africa, I will take back what I see here to America, okay? So I am so thankful to be here with you, and I'm encouraged by your example. I want you to know this. Uh, Brandon and I both have been so encouraged this time here. So as we start, let's turn to Matthew chapter 20. And in this passage, something quite amazing happens. Do you remember what happens with James and John, the sons of Zebedee? They are arguing about prominence, right? In their minds, what was leadership? It was position. It was authority. It was, it was recognition. They wanted to be first, yeah? They, they wanted to be the ones that everybody looked up to and honored. And Jesus had this to say to them. Do you remember what he tells them? In chapter 20, verses 25 through 28, he says, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Incredible passage, right? And it's, is this how the world sees leadership? No. Is this how Uganda sees leadership? No. Not the pastors, but I mean the rest of the country. No. What is a leader in the rest of the country? A micromanager, okay. What else defines a dictator? Okay, what else is a leader in the rest of the country, not in the church? A boss. A boss. A boss. He has the authority. I'll tell you what to do. <laughs> right? Are the bosses kind here? No? They're tough, yeah? Yeah, they're tough. They're, con they're demanding. Maybe controlling. Are they controlling? What are some other things that describe how the country views leadership. The leader knows it all. Is that true? Oh, no, no, no. It's true that they see that, but does the leader know it all? No. Um, do, you think, do you think a leader needs to be humble? Do you think maybe God 
with, will talk to people in the congregation, and as a leader, you need to hear what God is saying in your congregation? Absolutely. But that's not how a lot of the world works, right? Maybe not a lot of uh, the country, maybe not a lot of the continent. Okay, let's go back to observation, interpretation, application. We'll dig into this a little bit, but I want to practice. What are some observations that you have about this passage? You might look at the context. What's the context here? I mentioned it a minute ago, but why is Jesus saying this? What was happening with James and John and the disciples? They wanted to be first, yeah? Because that's the context of what's going on here. That's a good observation, Henry. Any other observations that you might have? Remember we asked the who, the what, the why, the how, the when types of questions? So we talked about who. He's talking to his disciples after this discussion. What other observations might we make? How did the Romans lead? They domineered. They were totally domineering, right? Uh, They're vicious, violent, aggressive. Right? So the boss was the boss and with the Romans, right? Let me tell you about, the, about Roman society. Uh, they've done a lot of archaeological investigation of the Roman society. And across the Roman Empire, uh, everywhere you'd go, you'd see the cursus honorum. The cursus honorum meant the honors race. Do you know what this means? Uh, it, it meant like a race, a competition for honor. And the cursus honorum would be your description of your honor, okay? So if you paid to have this building built, you'd put your cursus honorum on the building, right? So you would say, Henry, son of so-and-so, right? And you'd say your tribe, I'm of this group of people. And then you'd go on to list all of your education, all of your accomplishments, all your wealth, and how you were the one that made this place. Does that make sense? This is everywhere throughout the Roman world. So every public art, every public facility, every public sculpture, every building, all of this was full of people trying to show their value, their worth, their preeminence. You know, I am the best one. And it wasn't just the the highest members of the society. The highest members of that society were maybe the top 3%. These were the wealthy, dominant part of the class, right? But the other 97% did it too. Even the slaves did it. Did you know that? Even the slaves. So maybe the slaves would build some stairs. And on the stairs they would inscribe, these stairs were built by this slave, son of so-and-so. Everyone in society was trying to say, I'm the best. I'm better than him and him and him. Uh, Look at me. I need respect. I need honor. Does that make sense? And in that society, Jesus says, that the Gentiles, they lorded over each other. Does that make sense? They're all trying to show who's best, who's most important, who gets to tell everyone else what to do. And what does Jesus tell his disciples? Yeah, 
Okay, do you remember Jesus' example of this? Uh, okay, there's a, there's a great book called Embracing Shared Ministry and, uh, by, by a wonderful pastor and uh, leader in America. And he talked about the Corsus Honorum. And he talked about it specifically in the Philippian church. Okay? And in the Philippian church, he talks about Jesus' Corsus Honorum. Jesus had a Corsus Honorum. Did you know this? And it's in Philippians 2. We could look there real quickly, but keep your hand in Matthew, because uh, we'll come back to it. But in Philippians 2, we see Jesus' Corsus Honorum. Okay. Being in the form of God. Okay, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, starting in verse 5. So we're called to embrace Jesus' attitude. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Okay, right here. Every cursus in Orem would start with, you are Henry, what was your dad's name? My dad's name. Uh-huh, is? Oh, Joseph. Joseph, okay. So you would say something like, I am Henry, son of Joseph. Now, Joseph was the highest social status you would ever achieve. So when you said the father's name, you were saying your social status. Does that make sense? So if your father was, um, was a powerful family, part of, then when you said Henry, the son of Joseph, you were of that same status. Even if you became wealthy and a leader, you would not go to the next social status. Uh, there, is, there are examples of men that became very wealthy, and they had conquests in battle, and they became senators. But they were born of lower status. And still, the other senators would spurn them. They would say, you're not like us, you know, you're lower, because you weren't born into that family. So you were your father's status. When Jesus says that, that God is his father, what is he saying? He, yeah, and they tried to stone him for this, remember? Okay, he was saying, I'm of the status of God himself. Okay, we might not understand that in this. But here he says, even though that was his status, he was equal with God, what did he do? And he became a servant. He humbled himself, became a man. Okay, you're all familiar with this, but I'll keep reading because it's good for us to hear it again. He made himself of no reputation. Can you imagine? No reputation. God of the universe making himself of no reputation. Taking the form of a bondservant and coming a slave and coming in the, in the likeness of men and being in a, found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Right. This is our example. Paul tells us we're to have this same mind, okay? So when we go back to Jesus talking about leadership, we also know the example that he gave for us. He had the highest status, and he gave it away. And he became a servant, and he humbled himself. He became obedient to the point of death. Okay, so observations. Do you have any? 
What are some observations about verses 25 through 28? There aren't wrong answers. Do you get it? Maybe, maybe there are. <laughs> but right now, I'm not asking for a specific answer. What are any observations you might have? Servanthood. Perfect. Servanthood. What do you think servanthood is? Yeah, okay, you, you got it exactly right. So others are going to benefit because of what you do. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. So you're working for another's good. Did Jesus do that for you? Yeah, can you do that for another? Yeah, that's servanthood, right? Okay, other observations. Here's one. The world's leadership and God's leadership, are they the same? <laughs> Very different, right? Isn't everything kind of different with God, though? Right? Is, is, are, are the world's finances and God's finances the same? No. No? Uh, are the world's relationships and God's relationships the same? No. No? So is it, does it not make sense that the world and God would be different when it comes to leadership? Right? The leader is not the king. The leader is the servant. Right? Other observations. Do you have any more? We uh-huh. the word slave instead of um, just understanding what what it means by being a slave. Yeah, it's a lot like being a servant. It's like a low status. A low status, uh, being a servant. Uh, there's a man in America that has that has uh, invested in my life for many years. His name is Russ Akins, and he is uh, he has led in ministry for over 50 years. He led behind uh, in, com- in a communist country when it was communist, and he trained believers how to do discipleship, uh, risking his life and his family's lives, right, to do this. He would do uh, secret church training services where they would train hundreds of people, and they would have to bargain with the farmers to get food for the people, you know, but they had to be secret so the government would not catch them. He's also started 17 ministries in America or something like that. I don't know on college campuses, and he's, he's discipled me for many years. Now, at most times when, when you see him, he is not in front. <laughs> he's, uh, he's making the fire, or he is taking in, uh, or he's taking out the trash, or even most of the times, he's not the one that speaks. He'll ask me to speak, or Brandon to speak, and he'll encourage me, right? He'll help me. He's multiplying. He's saying, I would rather help you guys learn how to do it than me always do it. But I'm going to serve you, right? I'm going to serve you and put you first. Uh, He's an example to me of what Jesus is talking about here. Uh, And he makes himself of no reputation, right? Uh, He drives an old car. It's maybe 20 years old, beat up. And and, uh, here maybe that's not a problem. But in America, a lot of people, they want status. Even a lot of Christians, he, has, he does not do this. Uh, out, of, uh, out of his ministry, maybe he makes less money than anybody in the ministry. Um, he's, he's made himself of no status in many different ways and modeled this in, in, in many ways. Um, so there are three principles I want you to get, okay? 
Uh, maybe an interpretation. We'll just draw it quickly. We won't spend tremendous time on observations. But one that I want you to see here is the world's way of leadership. We've talked about that from some of the observations. But the world's way of leadership is control, it's position, it's power, it's reputation, it's all these things. Uh, that's the world's way, right? God's way of leading. The Christian form of leadership is very different. The Christian way of leading is servant leadership, right? What you mentioned. Yeah, Vincent, right? Yeah, Vincent. Christian leadership is servant leadership. It's leadership for the other. It's not leadership that takes from the other. Okay? Uh, and I wanted, to, I wanted to say Christian leadership is Jesus' leadership. That's, that's the last big part of this that I, that I see. It says right here in 28 that this is Jesus' example, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus is, is your Lord and Savior. He is the leader, and he's called you to lead like him, okay? He's called you to lay down your life just like he did, to serve just like he did, not to desire a title or a position or respect or honor. All human beings desire these things, and to remind ourselves each day that Jesus gave those up. And he, he made disciples. He poured his life into those disciples. He washed their feet, which in that day was unpleasant. <laughs> you know, it was not something that, that the leader did. It was something that the slave did. And he did that, right, to honor those that he led. So as we get started today, we're going to do a lot of training. But I wanted to ask you what this, how you can apply this in the context of discipleship. We talked at the conference about making disciples. And you each have disciples to be making. You each have people to be discipling. You made a list of five, okay, that you're going to disciple, and I hope you do that. But I hope that you teach them how to disciple, and you teach them how to disciple others to disciple, to keep multiplication happening. But as you do this process, you're going to do more than disciple them with discipleship material. You're going to disciple them with your example. We talked about that, about Paul and how he discipled with his very lifestyle, the Thessalonians. So my encouragement is, how do you make disciples being this kind of leader, like Jesus? What do you think? What are, what are some ways that you can do this in your ministry? One thing, um, according to, to this verse, We've got to model servanthood. We have to. We become examples, uh, like um, doing the little things in the ministry mm -hmm. that that maybe the people you you're leading you would want them to do. Yeah. But you do it as a leader so that they learn from you. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If. Can I ask you a question? If you clean the toilet at your church, what would the people think? <laughs> would they? <laughs> yeah? In America, it's less like this. Uh, Geertofsky uh, was a 
famous researcher in culture. And his research has been used in sociology, in leadership. If you read leadership, you'll hear about Geert Hofstede, uh, about international leadership. And every country is very different. And he, he, he had several different, several different ways of understanding how people operate. And one of those is what he called power distance. Do you understand the word power distance? This is the distance between a leader and the follower. Okay? And some cultures are high power distance cultures. Yeah, these are the cultures that the leader is the king and the follower is the slave. And other cultures are low power distance cultures. America is a very low power distance culture. If President Trump walked in the room right now, I would have no problem walking up, hey, how's it going? Hey, yeah, I like when you did this, but when you did that, I did not like it. I think you made a mistake. And <laughs> here you'd be thrown out. In America, he would say, thank you. Thank you for the advice. I'll, I'll consider it. So we're a low power distance culture. I think that's, that's a good thing about America. Not all of our cultural things are good. I'll tell you one that's very bad. Um, but that's a good one, maybe. Uh, in the sense that the leader is not the king. Um, the leader is not the king, right? You know where we're very bad in America on that scale? We're individual. That was another one of his cultural issues. Individualism versus collectivism. You're collectivistic, you're family-oriented, you're relational. This is, that's how the body of Christ should be, okay? It should be that way. Okay, Henry, I interrupted you. But I, I, I just, I had a, an idea that maybe that would be the case here, that that would be like, ooh, right? Yeah. So, okay, okay, what else were you saying? Like I said, you can bring the chairs, you can put the chairs in place, yeah. you can move the floor, pick the papers in the ground, yeah. in the compound. What are some other ways that you can serve as a leader? All good answers, of course. You can usher in people yeah. to church uh -huh. during service. Yeah. You, you help them come in. Yeah. And take the seats. Yeah. 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 You can also create time for them. That's a wonderful thing. I mean, that's 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 the same way in America too. Um, some pastors won't won't see you. Um, before coming on this trip, I was extremely busy. Uh, so my family and I we had to drive right around f over four thousand miles. This is like twenty five hundred kilometers in the car uh, in five days. And then I got back, and one day later, I had to drive 600 miles, so like 400 kilometers. And then like uh, two days later, we flew here, you know? And during this time, we were uh, on the East Coast, and then we came back, and then I was preparing for another ministry event, and then came back, and then we were coming here. And getting ready for this trip, there was very much that needed to be done. And it, it was, it was, we were very busy. But there's a young man that I'm discipling. He's a freshman in college, okay? So first year college student. 
He's only 19 years old. He's a young man. And he said, Nate, I'm going to be going away for ministry all summer. And we haven't had a chance to talk before my summer begins. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I just have no time, you know, no time. But I made time for him, you know. And I said, let's talk. I didn't have time to meet in person. So I said, uh, I'm, 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 gonna, I'm going like this. So we talked on the phone for an hour. And we prayed together and we talked together and asked him, you know, it was, that's important. But I know to, to him, I want him to see that example because he's going to be in full-time ministry. He's an incredible man of God. I don't want him to ever lead in a, in a, in a position of power, exactly like Jesus. So if I'm going to disciple him, what does he need to see? He, he needs to see the example, right? He needs to see that he's as important as anything I'm doing. That's important for him. Good, 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 good answer. Any other ways? Were you going to answer? No. So Jesus, uh, could you imagine how he lived with his disciples, right? Just think about it. Um, you think Jesus did dishes, right? I, I'm sure, right? Um, he cooked for them, remember? <laughs> he cooked for the disciples. He took naps with them. <laughs> huh? Ate with them, yeah. Bathed with them. I'm sure. Walked with them. Talked with them. I want to make disciples like Jesus. And that's, gonna, that's going to involve being, being uh, authentic. Being, being uh, we say in America, real with the people that we serve. Down to earth, yeah. You guys have the chance to change the culture of Uganda. And the world. To say a leader is a servant. A leader is going to follow Jesus and love others. And when we love, we put others good above our own, right? That's what love is. It's sacrificial. So as leaders, you can say, I am going to live sacrificially for those in my church. And not just in my church, but for the pastors that I lead. Right? Henry, for your 31 branches, you're going to sacrifice for them. Um, you would die for them. <laughs> I told Brandon's wife... When, I, when, when he came, I said, I will die before, I let, before, before Brandon. I said, Brandon will come back alive. <laughs> if it comes to it, I will, I will lay down my life for Brandon. And I mean it with all my heart. Um, I, I want you guys to, to lay down your lives uh, for the, the churches and for the people in your ministries, to serve, to humble yourselves, to put others first, because that's the example that Jesus gave us. And there will be a temptation to want honor. <laughs> there always is. There will be a temptation to want um, favor. And to go to God and say, God, make me humble like you. Um, 
make me humble like you, Jesus. Uh, I got to tell you, when I was a, a freshman in college, I said, Jesus, humble me. You know what happened? In the next week, two times I was called ugly. <laughs> I was in a math class, and the math teacher in front of the whole class said I was bad at math. <laughs> and I had other embarrassing things happen. You know how long it was again before I asked to be humbled? <laughs> Seven years. <laughs> I read a book by Andrew Murray. You ever hear of Andrew Murray? He's, he died over a hundred years ago, but I think he's my favorite author. And he wrote a book called Humility. If you ever get a chance to read Humility, I think it's life-changing. But he said, uh, being humbled is God's gift to you because Jesus was humble. So for you to be humble is to become like Jesus. And for God to make you humble, it's a gift because he's making you like Jesus. He said like this, Many times, this is a direct quote in that book, he says, many times we pray for humility and then we fear, flee, and seek deliverance from all that God would use to bring us to that place. Isn't that true? I encourage you, beg God to make you a humble leader. Beg God to make you a servant leader. Beg God to empower you by the very power of his Holy Spirit to lay down your life for those you lead. To love them like brothers, not like sons. <laughs> or like sons is important too, but not like slaves, I should say. Does that make sense? To love them like brothers. Uh, the same way that you treat uh, Bishop John. He's a wonderful leader. But treat the people that you're leading like that. Love them like you love him. Does that make sense? Oh, What's that? Uh, uh huh. Tell it. Read it. Matthew chapter 16, verse 16. Then Jesus says, then you call so many people you are coming and going that they did not even have a church to eat so that his disciples. He said to them, Come with me by yourselves, a quiet place, and you eat something. Yeah. So I think when they met him there, maybe they started chatting because they were so tired. Yeah. He reached that stage of looking at them that at this time they are tired. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Exactly right. I mean, that's a great observation. So you're 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 interested in where and what their needs are. Okay, I want to ask you to do one uh, application, and then we're going to get to some practical leadership training. But it's it's always good to start right here <laughs> in God's word. So the one application I want to ask you, it's for you, and you don't have to tell me this, but write this down. What? way does God want you to humble yourself and serve those you lead? Maybe it's cleaning the toilets, like Henry said, or maybe it's helping those you lead get that rest they need, or maybe, what was your name again? I'm so sorry. What's that? Mercy. Beautiful name. Maybe like Mercy said, it's taking time for those that you lead, okay? Whatever it is, what, what way does God want you to humbly serve those you lead? And I encourage you to do that. This week even. 
to take an example and, uh, and to make it a lifestyle. And I'm right, I'm in, the, I'm in the same position with each of you. It's important for each of us as godly leaders to say, we're going to humble ourselves and lead as servants. Not, call it, not, not being the kings. Hey, you go do this. You go do that. But saying, I'll lead by example, and I'll serve you, and I'll, I'll show you how to follow Christ. Remember, this is, this is what we see throughout Scripture. These are the characteristics that Timothy tells, or that Paul tells Timothy to look for in elders. They're the characteristics that Paul tells Titus to look for in elders. They're the, the exact characteristics that Peter and, and 1 Peter 5 demands of elders. Uh, this is biblical leadership. It's, it's humble servant leadership that puts others above ourselves. 